born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. The title of today's message, I call it The Devil's Spin. I'm sure you've heard enough on the news, especially during political times, where someone makes a statement and then you have to have the commentators come on afterwards and tell you what he said because you weren't smart enough to get it. So they have to tell you what he really meant. and They put a spin on it. Well, believe it or not, I believe the, the master spinner is the devil himself. He's always trying to put a spin on what God says. You see, when God told Adam and Eve in the garden the truth, he put a spin on it. He says, thou shalt not surely die, making you believe something else. That's casting questions and doubts about the truth. And he hasn't stopped. I believe every Christian would serve the Lord if the devil wouldn't put a spin on what God promised. There's no one that wants you and me to be happier, to have more pleasure in life than the Lord. He created life, and he wants us to be happy, wants us to be filled with joy. Many things you write in his word that you may be, that your joy may be full, and talks about the joy of salvation. But if the devil would just leave us alone, you see, you and I were born with a sinful nature, and we have a temptation to believe everything he says. That's why we're filled with questions and doubts and despair, because the old devil is alive and well. And he's putting a spin on everything that God says. When it comes to salvation, remember the devil's putting a spin saying that you have to earn your way to heaven. Oh, he might even agree that you're saved by grace, but he's going to add a little bit of works to it just to help just in case. You know, in case God really didn't mean what he said, you just better be good just in case. So he puts a spin on it. But that little spin that he puts on it, that one little work that he gets you to trust in, is a way of damning your soul for eternity. You see, it's, it's a great thing to believe the truth. It's a very dangerous thing to believe a lie. And I don't believe many people understand just how critical our lives are and the things that happens to us that cause us either to believe or not to believe. Even like Peter says, Lord, I believe this help my unbelief. Then after you trust the Lord, know you have eternal life, know that you're going to heaven when you die, now Satan puts another spin on it. Look, now he doesn't want you to do any good deeds. See, before you're saved, he don't mind if you do good deeds to save yourself because he knows it's a lie. Well, after you're saved, well, since I'm saved by grace, I don't have to do anything. All my sins are paid. I'm going to heaven whenever I die. I can live like I please. But he doesn't tell you the whole thing. 
Even whenever he was trying to tempt Christ in Matthew chapter 4, he didn't quote everything. He didn't tell the whole truth. See, the Bible says, uh, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But he was doing it. He was trying to tempt, tempt the Lord thy God. But he don't quote everything. He takes part of things and twists it. Puts a spin on it. And so now that you know Christ is your Savior, he's going to do everything he possibly can to put a spin on why you should not serve the Lord. And why you should not be faithful. Why you shouldn't give the way you should. Why you shouldn't witness. You see, you would do all those things naturally if the devil would just leave things alone. But he won't. He has his ministers out there. He has his preachers of false messages. And they put a spin on everything that God says. Whatever's truth, there's a lie out there telling you that it ain't true. And you and I would be wise to listen to what God says. I want everyone to serve the Lord. And some people serve the Lord because they just feel plumb guilty. Guilty if they don't. And I have a little bit of that. Because I don't want to serve the Lord out of guilt. But some people just feel like, you know, I have failed and failed and failed. And I feel so guilty that they just harden themselves, become calloused, and they don't bother me anymore. Oh, at one time it used to really bother them whenever they wouldn't read the Bible. And it really bothered them when they wouldn't witness. And it really bothered them when they wouldn't go to church. It really bothered them when they, you know, said things they shouldn't say and went to places they shouldn't go. But, you know, after a while, it doesn't bother them anymore. They become callous to it. Well, we shouldn't serve the Lord out of guilt, but there's a little guilt by not being obedient. And some people serve the Lord out of fear, just plain afraid. Afraid that if I don't, God's going to beat a tar out of me. Well, I don't want to serve the Lord for that reason, though it is a reason. It's a reason why some people do what they do. But they go to church because they're afraid if they don't, God's going to break their neck and throw them in the hospital. I guess you could use that as a great motivating force. I trusted the Lord for the main reason that I didn't want to go to hell. You say, that's the wrong reason. That was a pretty good reason for me at that time. I didn't want to go to hell. So I believe a man has to know the, the consequences of what his sins produce. So because you and I are sinners... And if we're lost, then we know that we're going to hell. And that, that fear works pretty good. And that's why a lot of people trust the Lord. But after you trusted Christ as your Savior, should you and I be motivated by the fear? Now, the Bible talks about there is the fear of the Lord, and we should fear God. But I believe it's talking about having a holy reverential respect for the Lord, knowing the awesomeness, the power that God has, and what He can do in our individual lives. So it can be a healthy thing, but to go through life being afraid all the time is not a good thing. See, there's always a limit. And the devil will always take and put a spin on everything. You know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna mess up and you know you're gonna mess up, you might as well just mess up big. And now that you've ruined your testimony, there's no hope for you and God can't use you, so you might as well just go all the way. And some people just get in the mud and they stay there all the days of their life because they, they listen to a lie. Somebody took the truth and put a spin on it. And they become disheartened and dejected. Felt like it's not worth it anymore. We got a big old Bible here. It's a big old Bible. It's got a lot of things in it. And yes, it's got the law in there. It's got a lot of rules and regulations. A lot of ceremonial laws, civil laws, and all, just all kind of laws. Even all the way through the New Testament, there's a lot of do's and don'ts. But what you and I need to see and understand is that behind all of these laws and rules and regulations, uh, there's... There's a person. This person 
It's God. This person is the person Jesus Christ. And says that the law is to lead us to Christ. It leads us to Him. So the law isn't bad. It's just that it leads you to somebody. It's not the end in itself. The rules and regulations that sometimes the parents lay down upon the child is that's not the end in itself. It's just the kind of like guidelines to hold you into and to constrain that old sinful nature that they have. And believe me, they do have one. You don't remove the rules and regulations. You've just got to try to point them in a right direction and say, look, focus upon mommy and daddy. You're always telling them, we love you. Mommy loves you. Daddy loves you. And you're trying to teach them to love you back. And you try to do right to the child and you want the child to do right because you love them. But you don't move the rules and regulations. They're there for a reason. Some parents believe that it's good just to compromise and remove them all. Let the child just do whatever the child wants to do. Because if we lay down any rules and regulations, they'll just rebel. If they do, they have already rebelled in their heart. And this is why as time goes on, it's easier sometimes to raise kids, just give them the free reign, let them do whatever they want. Let them go wherever they want, dress any way you want, and remove all the restraints. You say they'll be happier. No, they won't be. Because it's to keep them from trouble. And it's to help them. Same thing in the Bible when you find the rules and regulations. But you and I are to understand that behind all of this, we don't study the Bible so we can fall in love with the rules. We don't fall in love with all the law. We fall in love with the person. When you fall in love with the person that's behind it all, then you don't even see the rules and regulations. That don't bother you anymore because you're in love with the person. And that love is what will challenge and motivate you and is the greatest thing for you. Now, take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. Everybody knows that everybody wants to be loved and we need a little tender love and care. Kind of like the, the man that, well, he was getting very, very sick. So he went to the doctor to find out what was wrong with him. And he just didn't have any will to live. So after he talked to the doctor, the doctor says, I need to talk to your wife. So the wife came in and he says, your husband is in very, very bad shape. And for some reason or other, his well-being depends upon him receiving a lot of tender love and care. And if you'll give him a lot of tender love and care, that he might make it. The woman began to think, all they've been doing for all their married life is arguing and fighting, arguing and fighting, never getting along. And he told her, he says, look, if y'all just don't have any more arguments, no fighting, and you just give him all the tender love and care that he can get and fix his favorite meals and do all these wonderful things, he can live a long time. But she, she said, well, what, doc, what, what if I don't? Well, he'll die. So when they left and got in the car and started down the road, he says, honey, what did the doctor tell you? And she kind of looked sad. And she said, the doctor says you're going to die. I want you to look there in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, and look in verse 14. He says, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. 
Now in verse 14, there's a good way of looking at this word. And I have always looked at it as the love of Christ. And as though it always referred to Christ's love for me. Because he says, because we thus judge, we judge this way. That he died for us. And I and you are the judge that if he died for one, he died for all. And that those who believe, well, should live for the one who died for them. And I believe it's good and it's accurate. When two truths are parallel, equally true, then maybe God means that both of them are right. When it says here in verse 14, for the love of Christ, is that his love for me? Or the love of Christ, my love for him? Or which one would be right? Is it the love that Christ has for me that motivates me to serve the Lord? Or is it my love for him that motivates me to serve the Lord? Which one would be false? Or maybe both of them are true. I should serve the Lord because he loves me. Look what he did for me. But because of what he did for me, my love for the Lord, my love of Christ, the love of God, the love of Christ, should motivate me then to serve him. Now see, it's not a spin on truth. It's an amplification or magnification of a truth. Seeking to understand as much as you possibly can and understand it all, that we will never do. But Joel chapter 3 is talking about a, a time when God's going to gather all the nations of the world against Israel and bring them to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And here's all these people that came there. And of course, I believe this is the battle of Armageddon, a time that's coming. And he says there in verse 2, I will gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. But here's all this multitude of people. The Lord talks about how that he's going to take these grapevines from all over the world. And he's going to pull all these grapes into his big bowl. And then he's going to take his feet and he's going to stomp the feet on these grapes because they're ripe under harvest. And he's going to let the grape juice flow out about 200 miles down toward the Kidron Valley by the walls of Jerusalem. And put in the sickle. The harvest is ripe. Come get you down for the press is full. The fats overflow for their wickedness is great. So we know that this is talking about wickedness and God's judgment upon the world. And he says here in verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. When this time happens, it says, The sun and the moon shall be darkened, the stars shall withdraw their shining. This is the time that's coming. But what about people that are living today? All over the world, multitudes, multitudes, in a valley of decision. We often talk about the time that we live upon this earth. Time you're born, time you die. is one big valley. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we live from the time we're born to the time we die, we live in a valley that produces the fear of death. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You and I don't have to fear because we've already made a decision. But there's multitudes in this valley of the shadow of death that have never made the right decision. 
They believed the spin that the devil gave to them upon the truth. You're not going to die. It's always way out there. It's always way out there. And you're not going to die now and you got time. You can always get ready later. And the road to hell is paid with good intentions. Always intending to get right. I'm going to trust the Lord one of these days. I'm going to go to church one of these days. If I, if I serve the Lord, then, then, then things are going to really happen bad to me. And God's going to make me poor all my life. I've done seen too many poor missionaries and poor preachers, and I just don't want to be poor all my life and do about the luxuries of life. I am accustomed to a higher standard of living. Well, bless your little pea-picking heart. Who cares? God's not interested in none of that stuff. It's whatever you're willing to do or to give to be for the Lord. And here's churches all across America, around the world, where people will sit in churches of their choice. Each week take your voice to the church of your choice and sing all the hymns with respect. We'll be glad to get you and your offering to be it cash, money, order, or check. Our doctrines are clear, just be good and sincere. If you're tired of your sin, we will welcome you in if you show up at least once a year. And so there's people all over the world going to churches of their choice that have nothing to do with how to go to heaven. But they made decisions, the wrong decision because somebody put a spin upon truth. I believe that we should know the Bible, believe the Bible, and let it totally control our lives. Take your Bible and look in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, chapter 24. This is a great chapter. Got some good stuff in it. Joshua's going to die. He's at the end of his life. Kind of like uh, Paul was when he said, I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. And therefore there's laid up for me a, a crown of righteousness, but not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. Here in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, chapter 24, he says to the children in verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity. You ought to underline this. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. And in Egypt, serve you the Lord. Because you can't serve both. Every man has the same amount of time and every day, 24 hours. And you can worship God or not worship God. It's your choice. You're in a valley of decisions. You're always making decisions as you go through this little valley from birth until death. And what are you going to do with it? God wants us to be happy. I've lived long enough to see a lot of people who believe what God said. And God used them and blessed them in a great way. Now look what he said in verse 15. And if, and you ought to underline these words. It seems evil. Seems evil. And the only way it can seem evil is that the devil put a spin on it and you believed it. Do you think it's evil to serve God? It's wrong to do right? Is it wrong to be faithful to God's people and the church that God established and that's what God wants us to do? Evidently, some people don't believe that. That's why I tell people, look, if you're not going to serve the Lord, it doesn't matter what you do. Do you really worship the true and living God? Remember the first commandment in the Word? 
Love of the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Make no graven images of any kind to anything. You worship only the Lord. The last part of that verse says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Isn't it wonderful that God created such a wonderful world for us to live in? Did you know whenever he made all the animals, he made them for us? When he created the earth itself, he did it for us. He didn't need it. God didn't need the animals. He didn't need the trees. He didn't need the pretty flowers. He, he made all that for us. Well, you say, well, why? To bring us pleasure so that we could enjoy it. God says he has given to us all things to freely enjoy. Nobody wants you to have more enjoyment out of life than God himself. It's the devil that tells you just the opposite, that God's way won't work. Yes, his way will. Have you ever noticed that this body that God gave us to live in this world, we often call it the senses of the body, you know, like the tongue, you can taste. Did you know that to sustain the body, you can eat food, but you wouldn't have to have taste buds to eat food. You can eat food without taste buds. But what does taste buds do for the food? You can enjoy the taste of the food. It's not just to feed the body because you could just swallow it whole without chewing it or tasting it. And now they can even feed it through the veins and you didn't get to taste it at all. Well, God could have fed us that way without any taste at all. Aren't you glad that God allowed... Well, why did God give us taste buds? For pleasure. To enjoy the taste of food. Anybody like ice cream? Oh, tastes good. Or strawberries with chocolate on it? Don't it taste good? And all kinds of wonderful things that you can eat and enjoy because it, it just tastes good. Well, see, God did that because God, God wants you to enjoy. He didn't have to do that. But that's because God wants us to have pleasure, to enjoy something. You take the, the eye. You know, we could see in black and white. Anybody remember a long time ago that all the televisions came out in black and white? There was no color. I remember when there was no color on TV. Anybody else remember that? Then why do we like it in color? It enhances it. But look at this world that we have. You see, if, if God didn't give us not just vision to see, but the color to see a beautiful sunset. God doesn't need to see a beautiful sunset for pleasure so that we can enjoy because we love the different colors. But God didn't have to do that. But you see, He designed us and life to please us. That's what He did. He wants us to be happy. It's the devil that put the spin on everything. And so we we got eyes that get color. We didn't have to have that. And we, we got a tongue that can taste. Have you ever heard beautiful music? And have you ever heard it in stereo? Why couldn't God just give you one ear right there? All you need was one ear if it's just to hear. But to hear in stereo, sounds coming from everywhere. Beautiful. And then on top of that, isn't it wonderful to have all the different kinds of instruments? The different notes. And then be able to put them all together and hear some beautiful orchestration that just 
really blows your mind. Or to have a good concert where it sounds so great. And you sit there and you are pleased with what you hear. It's pleasant to the ears. It produces pleasure. You enjoy it. Is there something wrong with that? God did that. See, there's things that we can enjoy all the way through life. But all these things that I'm mentioning to you are the things of the body. It's the body that connects us with the world in which we live. I want you to take your Bible and look in Genesis chapter 18. Here in the book of Genesis in chapter 18. Look there in verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken. I like the way that's worded. He didn't call her an old lady. Well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have... What's that? You ought to underline that word. Shall I have pleasure? Did you know that with the physical body, one of the greatest pleasures in life is when a man and a woman are together in intimacy. Who created that? God did. Who created sex? God did. And it was for pleasure and to create children. But you know what? If it wasn't for the pleasure, I believe the human race would have been extinct long time ago. And it's a wonderful thing that God has given to us to enjoy in marriage. But that's something God did. But notice, all of these things deal with the, the body. I believe one of the greatest pleasures of life has nothing to do with the physical body. The greatest pleasure is that interbelief that you're pleasing God. And when I please God by my obedience brings the greatest pleasure more than anything that I've mentioned. As the time goes on, there's great pleasure that you'll find in those people that you want to Christ. See, there's spiritual pleasures that will bring you greater joy and happiness than all the things that you can get from your body. And you might see a nice house, but it's temporary. And the pleasure of a new car, but it's temporary. Even sexual intimacy, that's temporary. The taste buds, it's temporary. What you hear, it's temporary. What you see, it's temporary. But the things done by the pleasure of the Holy Spirit living within you is eternal in nature. It's Pleasure forevermore. Joy. Unspeakable. And one of these days, you and I are going to be in heaven. And the pleasure, the joy that we'll have when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, like Paul says, ye are my joy at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's joy, that pleasure Forever. When Christ rewards you for what you've done for Him, that is pleasure and rewards and joy that nothing in this world can compare to. There's nothing here that can compare to the pleasure that you can have in the Lord. The joy of singing songs to the Lord. The joy of witnessing. The joy of studying God's Word. The joy of being with God's people. The joy of all these wonderful things that God has given to us 
There's a spiritual pleasure that many people never enter into. They rob themselves of it because the devil put a spin on the truth of God. Before salvation, the old devil says, do good. Then after you're saved, do nothing. That's what makes most Christians good for nothing. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.